Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker. Hola, sir. Yeah, como esta? How's it going? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> Spanish. I, I only know hello. Yeah, French, right? Uh, ça va? Uh, d'accord. <laughs> I know very little of, of everything. I did take French three, uh, two and a half years in high school, and in French three halfway through the year I went to the teacher and said yeah I think I need to drop this class and she's like oh but I I really enjoy you being in the class but you're right you don't know French at all <laughs> <laughs> she like she happily said she like signed it laughing like I wish you were here because uh, I was entertaining uh, that's but, funny I actually almost took ecstasy in French class when you're in high school um Sorry, sorry, I, I, you, you, you broke know, up there for one the second. Did you say ecstasy in French class? Yes, I almost took ecstasy in French class. Oh, and wow. uh, I would love to give the listeners just a, a quick little story. Yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah. We are going to talk hockey, Atlantic Division preview. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, first, Justin's going to tell us about how he almost took ecstasy in French class. Yeah, senior year of high school, right? We had a, I had a French teacher first hour did not care what we did in class at all. So we basically just sat around first hour. She was like half asleep anyways. Uh, basically, I came in one morning, raging headache. Um, and this kid had a bottle of a leaf sitting on his desk. So I went over to, to just take some without asking, which was stupid of me anyways. Uh, this kid jumped over a three desk and tackled me. Teacher rips me off thinking we're getting into a fight, right? Um, I had no idea where this guy tackled me, right? And then basically, you know, um, she, we basically figured he's like, no, 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 it's nothing. It's nothing, nothing. So, um, you know, she just lets us go about our business and he just leans over and whispers to me after she's, she's all done. He's like, there's ecstasy in that bottle. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I was oh. about to pop two of those bad boys. I thought it was a leave. <laughs> oh my gosh. You would have been, you would have been, uh, the most entertaining person ever to be in French <laughs> class. at least. For yep. Yep. That would have been great. And my grandmother was a teacher there too. So that would have gone over real well. Nice. Um, okay. Well, let's. Uh, with that said, I mean, I suppose that uh, there are some teams in our preview that would be a lot more fun to watch on Ecstasy. You know, I've <laughs> never done it before, but I can just imagine uh, you'd probably be a lot more thirsty watching them. But, uh, anyways, so uh, we're doing the Atlantic Division. Um, and. On, on today's show, so we're gonna it's gonna be another three parter, right? Because we're gonna do the Leafs and the Red Wings. Those are our teams. We cheer for them. We watch them the most. So we're gonna we're gonna shelve them for last and uh, and do a, a show with just those two teams. So that means we get three teams per uh, for the other two previews that we do. And we're gonna start out with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Buffalo Sabers. Maybe not in that order, but. Uh, we're going to do those three teams on this episode, part one. Uh, but before we do, just want to jump into this division as a whole. Uh, Justin, where do you rank this division uh, compared to the other three divisions in the NHL? Oh, that is a very, very good question. I think, I think given what they have at the top and the bottom, and I, I guess maybe I should clarify what my expectations are for this year for this division versus what we actually saw last year right because that's that's super important a team like ottawa and detroit maybe you know you saw major improvements um you know maybe you can make the argument that uh you know tampa and and boston maybe got a little worse but i think honestly 
in comparison to the other divisions, I would probably put them probably third, third place, really. Okay, um, third best division in hockey. Yeah, I might. I, I guess maybe because I have higher expectations for some teams in the Metro than what I do in the Atlantic, and the Central Division is kind of hard, in my opinion, to beat as long as you still have the Stanley Cup champion in your division. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if we're going off of the top team in each, I I suppose there's. I I guess I would still probably say that they're top to bottom. I I would think that they're at least second, but uh, because Ottawa got better, Detroit and Ottawa and Detroit got a lot better. I I think it's fair to say they they went from being bottom feeders to like there's an outside chance they can make the playoffs. I think uh, in uh, the Athletic in their their predictions, or I guess it's their model of uh, of projecting out these teams. The Senators, a 33% chance to make the playoffs. So, not terrible. I mean, it's not likely they'll make the playoffs, but uh, but still they went from being a team that was like a 4% up to a 33%. They, they improved drastically, uh, as did the Red Wings. Uh, maybe not Montreal, but I, I think we all can see Buffalo taking a little bit of a step, having Owen Power there for an entire year. Anyways, we're getting right into the whole uh, the whole conversation, but uh, I I do think that they're second. I don't like the Central to me kind of scares. Me. Once you get past go Colorado, Minnesota, the rest of that division is kind of eh. Like there's of course there's playoff teams in there, uh, but a lot that I don't know what to expect. Uh, the same goes with the Pacific outside of Calgary and Edmonton. Not totally sure what to expect. And and the Metro, I know what to expect. There's there's minimum four playoff teams there that could all win a, at least a round. And that's where I think they they Atlantic can go head-to-head because head, I think there's also four teams in this division that can at least win a round too. So, uh, But uh, we have them second and third, so pretty similar. Uh, okay. Let's jump into the lightning here. No, no. The Montreal Canadiens. Let's do the Canadiens since they played last night. Since we've had the chance to to watch them. Um, oh, yes. That was most entertaining for me. At least the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that third period, like the last ten minutes of the third period, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely did it for you. Especially if you have no vested interest. Uh, then, it, then it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, not so wonderful for me. I was, little, but you know, I, I, I do. I like that we waited here on this preview for the Montreal Canadiens because I think if we had done this preview without seeing them play at all, uh, as opposed to I know it's one game, they're still going to be pretty bad. Uh, but I think that they showed us what they're going to be this year, and I. I think we've because of that one snapshot of this team. I I do think that this preview will look a little bit different now that we have an idea of what they're going to probably throw at a lot of teams uh, with the similar attempt at trying to beat the Leafs as they do the other powerhouse teams in this division. Uh, so with with Montreal, their weakness, the ultimate weakness, is their blue line, right? There, are we are we there on the same page about their blue? Oh line? yeah, without uh, a doubt. What was it? Uh, the last night? Uh, we're we're recording this on the thirteenth of October on a Thursday. So uh, in the Montreal Leafs season opener, Mark Giordano has more 
games played than the entire Montreal defense put together. Um, the I, I I just have to throw out that Arbor Jack guy has the greatest name I've ever seen that doesn't look like the name at all that you are saying. Dude, I just think of the SNL skit with uh, What's-His-Face when he's just interviewing Brady Shane. He's like, that's an S, that's a K, that's a J, that's a nope. <laughs> right, right. Not yeah. happening. X-H-E-K-A-J is Jack Guy. Uh, that's just amazing. I think I would probably just maybe go and change that last name to like the way that it sounds, and it would still be pretty cool. Uh, and a lot easier to remember. Like, I kept... Uh, what is? How do you say that guy's name again? Oh, and then they would say it again. You know, I was waiting for them to to say it. But uh, okay, so their defense as a whole um, certainly incredibly weak. The only one where we probably say, "Hey, there's a legitimate NHL defenseman," is David Savard, right? Yep. And uh, and it's not it's not to take anything away from a uh, Jordan Harris. Looks like he can be good. Caden Gooley. Uh, Arbor Jack eyes quite the story coming in uh, never drafted and Chris Weidman is a uh, like he's fine you know Chris Weidman's fine he's he's never going to be a world beater but he's you know hey 27 points in 64 games last year uh he's he's played for the Senators for a few years and he's he's a fine defense like he's a six a sixth defenseman on even a mediocre team he's a sixth defenseman uh what I guess you have to ask the question, like, what's Montreal going to look like through 82 games? Not just the one game against the Leafs where, yeah, hey, they look, they're like, well, this defense doesn't look, they look like a veteran defense. They're not making any mistakes. <laughs> and uh, what, but what do you expect through a full 82 games? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of growing pains, right? Um, obviously, St. Louis is going to do a, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job coaching this team, but uh, expectations are low, and that's pretty much where I expect them to be. Um, you know, low, right? Um, I think this defense is going to, you know, spend most of the year trying to figure things out: who fits better where, uh, you know, whose skills fit better, you know, in this position or at this, you know, point in the lineup. You know, should should this guy be a number three? Should he be a number four? Uh, you know, a guy like Jordan Harris, right? I don't know much about him. Um, but, you know, watching last night's game, I thought, you know, they did a good job holding their own. I think they, you know, kept the Maple Leafs to – they limited a lot of the chances. Um, but for the most part, I think, you know, eventually teams are going to start to figure these guys out, uh, especially a lot of these younger guys, right? I mean, you look at a majority of their blue line is 20, 22, 21, 25. So they're young guys with limited experience, right? And you mentioned Giordano's got more games than all of them combined. And so – I think that's going to come into play. You know, obviously there's some excitement and some, um, you know, I guess you could say adrenaline flowing through the body. For oh, dude, last game, night, right? last night they're playing like it was a playoff game. Right, exactly. That's what that's I That's mean. what they and looked so, like. And the Leafs definitely were not, uh, they were playing, I don't think that like there was a lack of effort in that game, but they, they were playing just uninspired eh, first game of the and it's their home opener like it was well, they just looked to un- me like it was the last game of the season they had already made the playoffs they were in and just like right. okay whatever just go out there and right just do whatever right and i mean i give all the credit in the world to cole caulfield and nick suzuki together they continue to look really good they're they're just uh picking up where they left off last year and 
you know, it's it's always a a crapshoot when you have a a number one overall pick who wasn't a you know it's it's not like Connor Bedard or Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid coming in. This is a I think everyone thought like, hey, this is a project year. Like the number one overall pick, the number two, these guys, they might make the roster, but they're not going to be leading the league in anything in their rookie season. Uh, but your uh, Slavkowski looked, he didn't look out of place. Uh, he made a really nice play on Austin Matthews to uh, uh, a check from, from behind, but in the open ice, just to, to lift his stick and knock him over, uh, so he couldn't get a good shot off, and uh, he seemed to be where he needed to be. And I think that that's sort of what everybody was talking about in the draft last year was that he really was NHL ready. That his defensive play was there. He understood the game, and I think you saw that yesterday. You didn't really see any flashes of greatness, but you saw an NHL player. Yeah, exactly. I think you know. Again, you said project, right? And I think that perfectly sums it up what really the top end of this last draft really is. Because, you know, Slavkowski, right? Limited minutes on that third line with Dvorak and Brendan Gallagher. And I look at, over in Seattle, right? They have Shane Wright, who they're playing on their fourth line at the center position. He only played like 11, 12 minutes. So, again, they're sheltering these younger kids, getting them exposure, but not putting them in bad situations. Like, for example, in... Um, you know, Chicago, you've got Max Domi and Anthony Siu on your top line, right? Those guys are obviously not meant to be there. Same with guys like Slakowski. They're not McDavid's. They're not Crosby's where they can walk in, be top line guys and take over right away, right? right. These guys are going to need some seasoning. They're going to need some time. And I think, you know, again, it's it's funny to me. I didn't even realize it till about halfway through the game, but Jonathan Drouin was actually a scratch a, last a night. A healthy scratch, yeah. He was right? a healthy scratch. And so... You know, that's that's going to be the mystery with this forward group, right, is who contributes night in and night out, who actually gets in the lineup. And um, Does you know, one anyone guy, like Jonathan Drouin? At this point, it sure, <laughs> sure seems like nobody does. I mean, how how it's is weird. it that a player with pretty, like, I'm sure still has talent, like still has ability, uh, but it's not as if he deserves to be handed anything on a, you know, on a golden platter. Like, he has had a lot of injury problems he's had a lot of problems you'd think that this would be somebody who goes i need to come into camp and be at my best work my ass off and and make the team and he really doesn't impress his head coach he doesn't show up the way that anyone expects and he's benched for some of these kids that have never played a game in the nhl uh, I do love that the three rookies were out there uh, skating last night by themselves, with, and they made them all take their helmets off before they went out. That was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this Montreal team, the reason why they're intriguing to me is because I really do think that you can see this young energy, and maybe they're not going to be the easy out that everyone kind of assumed they would be. Uh, they have a – like. It's, it goes a lot of new faces. You know, you've got, I mean, you know, we talk about the defense right now. Granted, Michael Matheson and Joel Edmondson are both out. Edmondson, I think, is going to be a good amount of time, probably uh, at least another month. Uh, they haven't really given him a timetable at all, so that's that's never good. Uh, Matheson's only day-to-day, so he'll be back on the blue line probably in a week. So you do get Michael Matheson, but again, new face in Matheson. You've got... Uh, new faces in Slavkovsky, Kirby Doc, uh, Evgeny Dadanov. Like, 
there are and and Sean Monahan who scored uh, last night. So there's plenty of new faces on this team to uh, you know maybe give it a little bit of a more of a boost than we thought because hey they fit well together and and what it does to motivate other players around them uh, could also play a factor too. So do I expect them to be to be a playoff team? No. Do I expect them to be last in the division? Yes. But is it going to be the kind of season like last year where they had, what, 55 points or something like that? Uh, right, yep. Like, it's not going to be that kind of year. Uh, this is going to be a year where they are much more enjoyable to watch, but they still lose more often than they win. Yeah, I agree, right? There's going to be guys like Sean Monahan that are going to play with chips on their shoulder. They're going to be playing for, like, for example, he's playing for a contract, right? So I think you're going to see a lot of that this year out of out of a lot of their players, and it's going to make it fun to watch, right? They're going to be like the Red Wings, you know, last year and the year before that, where they were just fun to watch. They battled, but they weren't really expecting, you know, you didn't expect them to make the playoffs, right? But and uh, the other the other tough thing, Jake Allen's a gr- uh, it looks great. Jake Allen oh, yeah. looks fantastic, uh, but. You also have Sam Montembeau as your backup, and and I don't know I don't expect that to change because I don't think Montreal wants to make the playoffs. So I I think they they would be happy to at least have a shot at winning the uh, at winning the lottery. Can can they win the lottery again? I can't remember. I always forget which <laughs> was that uh, was last yeah, year the first year where you can't win it again. No, uh, well, actually, you know, I think it was. I think it was. So now, yeah, the Montreal Canadiens can't win the draft lottery again. For what is it? They can't get the first overall pick. Yeah, look that up. Uh, I can hear you. I hear you. They can't get the first (laughs) overall pick. Is that what it is? Let's see. Uh, Gosh, teams can. Yeah, I I forget. I'll I'll let you read. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna. uh, You know, when I when I look at the Montreal Canadiens, I. I still see, I mean, I see an exciting team because Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki can fly. And that's going to throw off a lot of defenses. And I think if you come into the game like the Leafs did yesterday and underestimate what they bring to the table, I think you're going to be in trouble. Uh, I still, like, the Leafs could have won that game just as easily as they lost it. Uh, And I think that you're going to, probably see a lot of games like that with the Montreal Canadiens that you know when the Canadians win you go well you know hey they won uh they got some goaltending they got time a timely goal uh and and that helps them push them over the edge I don't foresee this team going out and being able to contend in any way shape or form in this division uh but what is ultimately the goal for this season well it's to get Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield going and to see what you have in Kirby Doc and Jake Evans and this defense that's just getting thrown to the wolves, and uh, I I think that after this season, when they you know still have a top ten pick in the draft, and that is going to be a great pick because there are tons of great players uh, in the upcoming draft, and then you can decide what to do uh, with some of your your free agents. You've got Jonathan Drouin and Evgeny Dadanov. Donov, who are UFAs, as well as Sean Monahan. So you've got to think that they can weaponize that, come up with uh, some more draft picks. They already have two firsts, three, uh, a second, a third, three fourths, two fifths, and their sixth and seventh. So you can expect that they will end up with some more draft picks. Uh, I mean, who who wouldn't want Sean Monahan as their third line center at three three point 
one five million bucks. Uh, if you could, if you can fit him under the cap, what a great pickup, especially if he continues to turn his career around uh, here in his late twenties. Justin, did you find that answer? Did you figure out what what the uh, deal is? No, no, haven't yet. I've been oh. looking. Okay, that's okay. Know. Well, we'll we'll figure it out later, and we'll we'll talk about it on part two. Now you have yeah. to listen to part two of the Atlantic Division, <laughs> otherwise you'll never know. Uh, what do you have any other final thoughts about this Montreal team? Anybody that you maybe look at and go, oh, nobody's expecting expecting much out of said player, and uh, you, but you do. Yeah, um, I, I think if anybody really, I'm looking at Kirby Doc. I think this is a guy that was kind of cast off from Chicago, said you're 21, but you're not part of our rebuild, which is just crazy for a center of his size and skill level. So, um, you know, I'd like to see what he can contribute now. He's going to get an opportunity to play some top six minutes. Last night he was with Monahan and Hoffman on that second line. So, um, you know, we know Nick Suzuki is the number one center, but, man, it'll be, it'll be nice to see him get some minutes, and we'll see how he produces. Yeah, and signed at three point three for the next four seasons. I mean, if which could be a big steal. Yeah, right? if all goes well. I mean, he had he only had twenty six points last season, nine goals, uh, and and that was you know on a bad Chicago team, a lot of crap was happening. He just couldn't find a fit there, and you wonder, you know, maybe he can put up if he can put up thirty five forty points. Uh, that each year, that three point three looks wonderful. And, and you wouldn't complain about it. Uh, okay, well, that's the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it's time to give our basement and, or well, our floor and our ceiling uh, for this team. And if you haven't listened to the previous previews, I, I would suggest you go listen to those because they're fantastic. We know uh, what we're talking about here. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, our, our, our ceiling, obviously, the, the heights of what this team, we think they can accomplish, and their floor, uh, we're not we're not going to hell with them, not to the basement, just to the floor, uh, where we think you know, assuming a healthy season, uh, where they may end up with uh, end up at if you know things don't go well. Uh, where do you have the Montreal Canadiens, Justin? Yeah, as far as ceiling is concerned, I think maybe seventh in this division is as high as I can see them going. Um, obviously, we talked about a lot of teams towards the bottom of this division last year that got better: Detroit, Ottawa, right? So, do I think Montreal improved enough to get? past those teams you know again there was nearly a 20 point difference between them and Detroit so um no I don't think they've they've improved enough but I do think there's enough there to say hey they're going to definitely win some more games right sure. uh they're definitely not going to have a negative 98 goal differential so um to me I think they could potentially hop one team maybe it's a Buffalo maybe Ottawa doesn't really improve as much as we hope and you know DJ Smith gets fired who do knows we, but, uh, do we hope that Buffalo improves because, see, I don't know about you, but I don't really want Buffalo to improve because that probably means they're going to beat the Leafs <laughs> more than they'd already do. <laughs> the Buffalo well, Sabres are Leafs either, but uh, yeah, right. we'll, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about them. And sure. When you look at when you look at last season's standings, Montreal's way behind at fifty five points. Then you have Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa at 75, 74, 73 points. So those three teams, when uh, you know theoretically very much the same season as as far as their production and their win win rate. So you, you have to think, well, Montreal's going to probably be able to win anywhere from an extra six to ten games, uh, which would put them right in the you know low 70s, we'll say. And that would probably mean that other teams are losing games, so it's all going to balance itself out. But yeah, I, 
I agree with you. I think it's it's pretty simple with this team. It's either last or seventh, but they're not going to go. They're not going and beating out Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo. All three of those teams. No, absolutely not. No, maybe hop one. And like I said, Buffalo to me is the prime candidate. If we're talking any one of those three teams to really fall, right? Uh, I think Ottawa and Detroit did much more to improve their teams. So, um, you know, to me, I think maybe getting past Buffalo now, as far as the floor is concerned, I would probably say third worst in this in this league here, you know, behind maybe a team like Arizona and Chicago, probably going to finish worse than them. But, uh, you know, whether or not they, you know, can get past a team like Seattle, Anaheim, or, uh, you know, maybe Buffalo there, right. as far as the floor is concerned, you know, it's it's going to be, there's going to be some ups, ups and downs with this team this season. So we'll there, see. There also is, obviously, because they won the, the draft lottery, um, you know, that's a, if 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 we're right and they can't win it again, then there would be there would be that like well like they're they're they don't maybe have the same kind of incentive to just completely bottom out trade everyone. Uh, I I think it's pretty clear Jonathan Drewan is going to get dealt at some point this season. I have to imagine that he's going to get dealt. Like eat half his salary, let him go somewhere else grab a, a third round pick for the guy and let's wash our hands of this relationship because it has been a disaster. Uh, you, you, <laughs> man, can you imagine the, uh, the Montreal Canadians if uh, when they made that deal, if they just hadn't and they would have Mikhail Sergachev? <laughs> maybe Tampa Bay doesn't win the Stanley Cup, honestly. Maybe, maybe Tampa t- Bay like, trades back and gets Duran back in the... <laughs> In the oh, fold because they're always looking for right. you know that middle six guy to come in at the, the project. deadline. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, there's the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, good luck to the Habs. Already on their well on their way to a perfect season. Uh, so let's move on to the, speaking of which, it's a good transition. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning obviously represented the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They went out and signed several of their uh, of their boys to upcoming deals. Sergachev signed an eight year deal, eight and a half million. Chernak signed a, a big deal, five point two million a season. And uh, who else signed a big deal? Somebody else did. Nicholas Paul resigned with them. Uh, so they the only guy they're really unable to bring back is uh, Palat. Palat goes to the New Jersey Devils, and uh, we sort of have similar-looking Tampa Bay Lightning to last year, really minus Palat, right? Is that am I missing anyone else that they? Oh, lost? Ryan McDonough. Ryan, but, uh, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, he's irrelevant. He's not even good. That's why I irrelevant. Forgot about him. That's why I forgot about him. Uh, no, so yeah, okay, yeah, Ryan, Ryan McDonough. That's my my bad there. Uh, but they do bring back Vladimir Vladislav Nemesnikov, who had a nice little season with the Red Wings last year and uh, will kind of slot in with Tampa Bay's in their bottom six, maybe get some power play time. Uh, but a full season of Nicholas Paul, a full season of, uh, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of, of Brandon Hagel, uh, who they acquired from the Blackhawks. I mean, I think that they may be, even though, even with the players that they lost, I don't see much of a step backwards for this team. Do you? Yeah, you know, I will say so they did get they did get Philippe Myers in that that McDonough trade, right? So for me the bigger concern was I'm not really too worried about this Ford group being able to produce offensively because we know what they've got. Uh, and as long as you have Kucherov point Stamkos up there, 
you're going to score a lot of goals. Sorelli, right? that's who else they signed. I was like, yes. there's someone else that signed, and I cannot <laughs> think right now. I, there you go. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, with, with those guys still in the fold, I don't worry much. You've got Vasilevsky, so they're going to keep the puck out of the net. Um, but with McDonough, right, he's gone. That's where I'm concerned a little bit. Um, obviously, Philippe Myers comes in. He was a, you know, supposedly supposed to be a top four guy in Nashville. wasn't really panning out the way they hoped, so they ship him off in the trade. So at least Tampa Bay gets back a decent top six defender. And now you give Sergeyev a little bit more ice time, and now you're putting more of a responsible load on his shoulder, saying, "Hey, you know what? You're no longer our number three, you know, guy that fills in on the power play. You're one. You're our top two guy, right? You and Hedman. That's it. Uh, go out there and do your thing." And so they paid him handsomely for it. Um, obviously next year he's going to start making more money than Hedman. So, um, yeah, yeah. clearly they think he's, he's, you know, a part of their long-term solution. And, you know, I mean, Hedman's only 31, so he'll be around for, you know, plenty more years, but man, to have Sergeyev and Hedman around for, for a while now is going to be, it's going to look pretty good. So I think I, I have no doubt with Sergeyev, he's going to rise to the occasion. And, you know, given all that, I, I, I don't see them slowing down too much. Um, obviously McDonough, right? The block shots, the, the things he does that don't always, you know, equate to goals, I think is really going to be missed a little bit. Um, they're going to have to get a little bit more contribution from guys like Cal foot and Eric Chernak, as far as that department is concerned. So, um, hopefully some other guys step up and then maybe it kind of lessens the, I guess the, the missing piece there. Do we think that which, which Alex Kalorn are we going to get the 60 point 25 goal Alex Kalorn in the regular season, or are we going to get the four points, four assists in 23 games, can't score a goal uh, over the entire playoffs? Which uh, I, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, do we see the complete decline of Alex Kalorn in the playoffs? Uh, can he still be effective for the Lightning? I mean, he's he is now 33 years old. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, sometimes these guys, once you're past 30, there just comes a day where you hit a wall and you just you don't perform the way you used to. Uh, yeah. Are we there with him? I don't think we're there quite yet, right? I do think while Kalorn couldn't put up any goals, he did get four assists in the playoffs. He was still doing In 23 games. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. It's 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 so weird, right? It's it's an anomaly and uh, but again, I watching him in the playoffs and from everything I read from, you know, other other people who study Tampa Bay a lot more than I do, he was still doing all those other things that, you know, generated successful play on the ice that maybe didn't necessarily translate to goals or assist points on the on the score sheet. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons, though, I do think you're going to see a regression as far as contribution, you know, in terms of goals and assists is because, you know, last year he played a lot of time with Steven Stamkos and Braden Point. Um, and I don't think you're going to see much of that this year. He's probably right now they've got him slotted on the second line with Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. And obviously those guys don't produce offensively like your stammers and your Braden points do. So, um, you know, depending on where he sits, you know, all season long, if he's just on that second line and you keep those top three guys together, um, you know, it's going to be hard for him to, to produce. Right. And maybe once Sorelli comes back, yeah, that adds a little bit of a boost, but um, you know, because I know those two guys were, were so good defensively, for this team in the playoffs and part of the reason they went to the finals. But, you know, I think it's going to be hard for him to repeat that kind of, you know, output as far as, you know, getting another 60 point season. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit, I think because of these younger players coming up, uh, I think it makes more sense to use Alex Kalorn in more of a, 
I guess in some respects, you're using him the way you use Palat, right? Like he maybe isn't as good defensively as Palat, uh, but he's responsible defensively. Uh, you know, 60% of his, you know, I was just, just went and looked at some, uh, some playoff stats for him. 60% of his faceoffs were in the defensive zone in the playoffs. So, I mean, certainly that's, that's uh, whereas in the regular season, uh, he was at 45% in the defensive zone. So he, he bumped up a 30% bump in faceoffs in the defensive zone in the playoffs, which can certainly have a big impact on, uh, on whether or not you're going to produce offensively. You know, you're taking tons of draws in the defensive zone. Um, also in the regular season, his PDO was ridiculous, 102.1, uh, whereas in the playoffs it, it really came back down to normal at 98.8. So, I mean, that'll that'll affect your production. You know, you've the shooting percentage is down, and uh, and you're taking more faceoffs in the defensive zone. So there there are reasons to kind of explain what what happened to him. Uh, I I guess you know everyone is you're always going to wonder. You know these once you you start getting in these championship teams they've won they've been there three times in a row like are they going to be tired there is that discussion I know it's maybe a little less than uh, maybe it was twenty years ago uh, players are just in such great shape but you do wonder like, does this team kind of have that that season where it's like the Pittsburgh Penguins did, you know, eh, you won a couple and, and things went really well and, and you go and you lose in the first round to some upstart team. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's not really, that's the playoffs. We're not really talking playoffs, but that's, I guess it's, it's hard not to look ahead for the lightning because, uh, the regular season, my guess is they're going to go on cruise control <laughs> and, and end up second or third in the division, right? Like do what yep. they always do. Uh, anyone that you expect to overperform for this team? Ooh, overperform. I think if anybody's due for maybe a nice little bounce back, um, I look at Vlad Lemestikov. You you talked about him earlier. I think he's he's got an opportunity to slide in this middle six up and down the well, lineup he's, a little he's bit. He's playing on the first line. Yeah, well, for, yeah, for I mean, a little bit. Yeah, he's he, yeah. he's getting his shot with uh, with Stamkos and Kucherov, which would be a, a, a total resurgence right. for his career. Yeah, and I mean, you know, depending on when Sorelli returns, right, you're going to see him kind of fluctuate between right. those top three lines. And but, but again, you know, I think you know, given that they lost Palat and Nemestikov does bring, you know, he brings that quickness, he brings the good hands. He's a, he's got a good hockey IQ. I mean, hell, he's related to Igor Larionov, so it, the apple can't fall that far from the tree as far as IQ is concerned. So, um, you know, the guy does everything pretty good. So. You know, given that, I think you know the opportunity he's given to play with guys like Kucherov and Stamkos, uh, he could bounce back and really be you know for a thirty thirty five point season at least. Yeah, I'm. I I know this isn't uh, maybe what what people expect when you say who's going to surprise us this year. Uh, I wonder if it's not Vasilevsky. I wonder if he doesn't return to the like. Oh uh, yeah, he's gonna he wins the he wins the Vesna. <laughs> like I, I wonder after a year of uh, everyone pumping Shesterkin up, uh, which ironically Shesterkin did beat Vasilevsky in game one of the regular season this year. But I wonder if ultimately Vasilevsky has that kind of season because maybe the lightning took some steps back uh, with some of their rosters up front uh, and, and losing McDonough. I wonder if he just kind of 
goes and he's he's above a 920 save percentage once again you know last year he dropped to a, a 916 but he was 925 the year before uh he was 917 the year before that 925 the year before so you know you see that little pattern He's he's going to be in the nine twenties this year. He's got to be so. And well, that's let me ask you, past. Brian Elliott looked pretty good last year in the backup role for this team, and so uh, Vasilevsky does. He need to play sixty three games again. You know, is he going to be above or below that sixty game mark? <sighs> Can I see Brian Elliott playing more than twenty games? No, I can't. But he looked good last year. You know, nine twelve yeah. save percentage. I think it shows you how good the Lightning were and and are. Um, I sure. don't. I don't see Vasilevsky playing fewer than 60 games. Okay. At nine and a half million bucks, uh, I think if you're if you're smart, you can play 60 games and you can play a very balanced first half of the season and and then go, oh no, we need to win a lot. And you can totally overplay guys. Uh, down the stretch. That, that's exactly what happened in Nashville last year. Nashville was playing a, a relatively balanced, uh, you know, obviously Saros is their starter, but uh, down the stretch, St- Saros was playing every game. Every game well, outside of back-to-back. Their, their backup so. Riddich was just terrible last year. So. He was terrible, and they would not have made the playoffs if he hadn't played. So I, I get it. I get it. But with the Lightning, I don't think you're going to be in that situation. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily think that it's as much to do with like we want them to only play 55 games or you know whatever. I think it's about how many games you play in the final two months of the regular season. I think you can probably play a guy a little more earlier and then start to rest them and, and you know as as needed down down the stretch if you're already in a playoff spot, which everyone was in a playoff spot last year. There nobody was going to lose their spot uh, come what. Thanksgiving, Christmas. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that as long as you manage him down the stretch, you're fine. I'm okay with seeing him play another 63, 65 games as long as he's not playing all the time towards the end and, they, and they're and they leaning on Brian Elliott a little more towards the end of the season. Uh, so that's where I'd land. Fair. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's do our last team here, the Buffalo Sabres. Everyone. Well, real quick, we need to uh, oh, we need our floor ceiling. Yep, we yeah, we do. We do indeed. Uh, ceiling, Stanley Cup again. How can I? How how can you not have this team's ceiling be going to the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> I don't know if they'll win it, but they certainly could go to the Stanley Cup Finals again. Um, and then my floor is is probably finishing somewhere in the. Uh, that three slot in the division and you know, they could be a wild card, uh, but I, I don't think they're in any danger of missing the playoffs. I think that if, if they're a wild card, it's just because once again, the, the bottom feeders in this division don't win at all. And everyone just has boatloads of points and they end up as a, a wild card team, which, uh, it doesn't doesn't really matter to them, I don't think. So I think it's making the playoffs and and you know seven games and they happen to lose this time instead of winning. That would be my floor. Okay, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't disagree. I think Stanley Cup Finals for sure is the ceiling. And as far as you know, the floor is concerned. I think you know that number four spot in this division, right? I think they're going to put it on cruise control most of the year and just kind of skate into the playoffs and then turn it on like they normally do. Yeah, no one would be like like this year. Uh, or sorry, last season, if if the Lightning had lost to the Leafs in that Game 7, 
everyone would have just gone, well, they won two in a row. They were exhausted. Like, right. And you know what? If they, if they happen to lose in the first round this next this year, it'll be the same thing. Well, they were there three times in a row. It's, it's okay. They can take a summer off. It's fine. I'm sure that's not what they'd be thinking, but, uh, but there's a pretty big built in excuse for them not to win this year. Uh, not to not make the playoffs, but not to, to win around. Um, although they probably will. Okay. Let's go to the Buffalo Sabres to close out the show. Uh, let's, let's just start it out by talking about what goaltending tandem in the national hockey league is worse than the Buffalo Sabres. Ready? Go. Oh boy. Uh, do we like Arizona's goaltending tandem better than Buffalo's? Oof. Oh man. Do we uh, like uh Vimelka and Connor Ingram? Who who played great in the playoffs, by the way. Connor Ingram. Now, and when we did our uh, our central preview, we did not include Connor Ingram. We didn't talk about him because they just scooped him up on waivers. So Yeah, honestly. Big mistake on our part. <laughs> You know, really, I think the only tandem I might put below this one with the Sabres is the Chicago Blackhawks with Peter Morazic and Alex Daylock. Um, you know, I have... I thought you were a Stalock guy. You love that guy. No, I used to be a Morazic guy. I mean, he was great in Detroit, but um, you know what? I think Morazic just can't stay healthy. And, you know, when he doesn't play for a, a decent team, right, he just... Like when he was in, in Carolina, right, he was he was protected by the systems around him. And when he had to go to other teams like Toronto, um, you know, when Detroit started to get really bad there, his true color started to show a little bit more. And, and with all the injuries, he just hasn't been the same sense. So I don't have a lot of confidence in his ability to bounce back unless he stays healthy. Then we might see something close to, um, you know, a 900, 905 goaltender, which would be great for Chicago. Um, but state lock on the other hand, hasn't been a full-time NHL goalie since 2020 and in 12 games with, you know, San Jose's AHL team, the Barracudas, he posted an 872 save percentage. I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, the uh, Blackhawks already, you know, they dropped game one five two to the the, the Avs. So, yeah, they're yeah. bad. Um, so I, it's it's going to be hard to watch. I think I'll say this about the Buffalo Sabres goaltending. I think both, especially Craig Anderson, but also Eric Comrie to a certain extent. I think they're they're just both guys that you can easily root for. Like you want to see good things happen to these guys, you know they they bounce around. Eric Comrie is what he, I mean in in Winnipeg last year in 19 games he posted a 9.20 save percentage. Uh, I mean his other stop. I mean even in oh and he only played one game in New Jersey, uh, but I mean hey his last 19 games looking pretty decent. Uh, well, here's the thing about so. Comrie though he's got something to prove. He's got an opportunity because he's he's wanted. He's been looking for that starter's job right and. You thought maybe, you know, again, with Winnipeg, you knew he wasn't going to take that away from Hollabuck. Sure. But, you know, now he comes out and says, you know what, hey, what, I, I can be a number one, number one B goaltender. And, uh, you know, they've got him for two years at 1.8. So clearly they, they think he's he can hang around. But No, yeah, I mean, um, if he can if he can post even a uh, 9.05 save percentage, the Buffalo Sabres are a better team than they right? were last year. I mean, and, and I think both these goaltenders can do that. I don't think that's out of the realm. It's just whether or not their forward group can score enough goals to, uh, you know, like they did last year. So Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's, tr- let's uh, transition over to the forward group. Uh, players really, uh, they they didn't really bring in anyone new uh, in terms of guys that are, are going to just 
punch the uh, the line forward. Uh, they named Kyle Ocposo their captain, but a lot still looks the same uh, other than signing Tage Thompson to a massive deal, uh, $7.142857 $7 a year for the next eight, or maybe, no, that one was a seven-year deal, right? Seven years. And it's 2930. So, yeah. Right. Um, And then they also re sign Matthias Samuelson, uh, which forgive, uh, just forgive yourself if you don't even know who Matthias Samuelson is, because when I first saw the name and getting this $4.2 million extension, I said, excuse me, who who is this person? Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Sabres giving out extensions like they're, uh, like they're a winner, but. Uh, they're walking in with the same forward group as last year. Uh, I I don't really. Uh, I mean, this team obviously isn't ready to take a big, huge step. They barely scored more goals than the Wings and the Senators last year, and even the Montreal Canadiens uh, at two thirty two. Where do you think this team at? Like, do you think this team can score more than they did last year? Boy, that's a. Uh... Whew, that's a loaded question, right? I think it all really rests on, you know, the younger the younger kids, right? I mean, look, we, we know that Jeff Skinner's there and, you know, maybe he continues to uh, have some semblance of his old self, right? Maybe puts up 60, 70 points like he did last year and scoring 33 goals. But uh, really it all rests on these younger guys. And when I say younger guys, I'm talking about the Peyton Krebs, the Jack Quinns of this team because those are the guys that are going to be expected to carry – this team into the future, right? I mean, Jack Quinn only played two games, two points last year. So can he do it in a full NHL season? He's certainly going to get the opportunity. I mean, right now you've got Jack Quinn slotted on that second line, you know, outside, you know, middle stat and Alex Tuck. So who, who looks I, great? Alex Tuck is, yeah. I mean, he, he, I think has shown going to Buffalo, uh, how a player who like, he's not a superstar. He's good. He's good. He's a good top six forward, not a superstar, uh, but he's a superstar in Buffalo. Like it just shows you how how important it can be when a guy's a hometown guy playing for their city. Uh, it's just a different vibe. It's it's like it's sort of like college football. Like there's just something different about about a guy who you know he he played high school ball here. He's you know he's he's a a, a guy from our state from our area, and he just gets it. They get what the what the team what the area is all about and they just fit in so well they it, that's him he's just that he, he's the perfect fit for the buffalo sabers uh, yeah, and the sabers are the perfect fit for him i was actually surprised he didn't get named the captain because Ocposo's right gone after this year and he signed for four more years so you figure okay if we if we've got a captain here let's Let's make sure he's going to be around for at least a couple seasons he, right and you know what he he may be he's only 26 and and Ocposo's been there for a long time, right? Signed there out of uh, the sure. Islanders, and I wonder if because this season's going to be probably likely another rough season, it's probably not going to be as bad as last year, but probably pretty similar in terms of point total. Like at the end of the day, uh, and maybe it's more. All right, Kyle, you're the veteran on this team. He's the oldest player on the team outside of Craig Anderson. So you know, take care of these kids this year and. Yeah, Ocposo might be gone after this year. He, I can't imagine that he's like yeah, dying to stay, but uh, or maybe he signs a, a one year, one mil kind of thing after this deal. But uh, and maybe that's Alex Tuck becomes the next captain. You know, when he's a little bit older and and has had time to 
to be in Buffalo outside. You know, he was traded halfway through the year last year, so give him a little more time in Buffalo just to uh, acclimate himself to everything and then hand him the C when you know he's ready. I mean, Nick Suzuki, man, stepped right in and they gave it right to him. They didn't even give him that much time to acclimate himself, so... That's yeah, that's true. Um, but that's uh, they don't really have anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you that, right? I, I and mean, I, they he's obviously be a superstar, right? They obviously gave Tuck, him. They gave him that captaincy as a like, you're going to be our guy forever, like for a long time. You're a Montreal Canadian. Don't leave. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, defensively speaking. Uh, where do you think who who finishes with a better year, Owen Power or Rasmus Dahlin? Boy, I mean, listen, if uh, if Buffalo is right about the extension they handed out to Samuelson, right, they expect Dahlin to to have the better year because ideally, right, they they expect Samuelson to be that uh, defensive blanket, that guy, the perfect partner for Dahlin who can allow him to you know pinch, can allow him to jump up in the play, and he's going to be that rock defensively for him, right? I mean, it's kind of like. Uh, Goes back to Nicholas Cronwell and Brad Stewart, or I always think about Stewart was just that rock on defense. Maybe gave you twenty points a year, but um, allowed Nicholas Cronwell to do his thing and put up fifty points a season. So. And blow people apart, right? End <laughs> people's lives. Yeah, exactly. Ask Martin Havlat about that. Okay. Um, so uh, Owen Power, though, I think you know, again, he's he's a young kid. I I think in the long term, I think he's going to be a much better player than Rasmus Dahlin, if you ask me. But um, you know, again, he's three years younger. He's still got time to grow. And I think, you know, he's going to be sitting on that second line. So Darlene's going to be expected to be the guy and powers is going to have the opportunity to just kind of grow into it. And so, um, I think they'll ease him into it. And if, you know, maybe it's not working out, they'll, uh, they'll send him down. Yeah. I don't think they're sending him down anywhere. I uh, don't think so either, but <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, I think that when all is said and done, I think that Owen Power has more five-on-five points than Rasmus Dahlin. I I can't I can't say that he's going to have more points than him total because Dahlin is. I mean, he's going to get the that number one power play time. Uh, I mean, Dahlin scored twenty-one points on the power play last year. Right, that was more right. than any other Saber. Right, so twenty-one points. He had three goals in the power play. So. Uh, you know those twenty-one points. Without that, you're sitting at a thirty-two point season. Uh, do I think that Owen Power can put up thirty-two points five on five? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, so, I I think that man, it is it's going to be a fun defense to watch because there are the. I mean, there are still high expectations for Darlene. I think that I don't think anyone thinks that he's done growing becoming a better player. I mean, he had 50, 53 points last year. Uh, no, it's I not think as offensively, if he was bad I'm not worried about it, but uh, it's the defensive end of the game, right, that I think right. he needs to just just improve slightly on. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, just other defensemen on this on this blue line, love the Ilya Labushkin signing. I think, I mean, they obviously overpaid him to get him to come there at $2.75 million for a, a bottom-pairing defenseman is a lot. But the Buffalo Sabres have the cap space. They still have $18 million in cap space, mostly because they're only spending $3.3 million on their goaltending alone. Uh, <laughs> and and defensively, they only have one defenseman making over six over $2.75 million. So it is funny to see Labushkin as their second highest paid defenseman. Uh, 
but I I mean I like his game. I like what he brings. He's going to he's going to blow some guys up. Kind of your uh your light Cronwall kind of player. He's he's responsible. He's not going to really he's not going to score uh or or put up big points by any means, but he can be someone who can kill penalties and and cause some players to look over their shoulder uh which is an underrated aspect of a good defender. If guys are afraid to come down on, you know, come down the 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 side walls on you then uh they're they're going to be a little scared to cut towards the middle too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's Well, and you think about it too, right? So you got Labushkin on that third line who's destroyer of souls uh and on that second line you've got Owen Power who's 6 foot 6, just a beast too. So yeah. if he learns to to use his body, I mean, Buffalo could really inflict a lot of pain. It's on too bad guys on that, that the Sabers couldn't uh, convince Chara to come and come there for a year. <laughs> Teach Owen Power how to be a, an absolute monster and uh-huh. how to use that those the long reach. You know. Uh, okay, well let's go f- uh, ceiling and floor for this team. Okay, um, well I'll jump right in. I think as far as the ceiling is concerned, I think this team could potentially push for a wild card spot in this Eastern Conference. I think last year we we kind of saw it right. It, it would take 100 points to get in. Um, I think that maybe there's going to be a lot more um, I, I, less disparity. It's, pr- between it's probably the top more like bottom. 96 in a normal year, right? Like yes. 96 is typical. We just had there was a lot of bad teams in this division, and a lot of teams were just like, "Screw it, not spending money. Goodbye, goodbye, everybody that makes money." <laughs> right? Yeah, and I I do think you know if Buffalo gets decent seasons out of the younger kids, Jack Quinn, Peyton Krebs. These guys take those next steps, right? Tage Thompson continues to be their number one guy there at center. Um, you know, and they get decent goaltending out of Eric Comrie and Anderson, which I think is more than possible. It, this team could really potentially be fighting for a wild card spot. Now, I don't see them as a playoff team, right? Um, I think that's out of the question this this early in, in the stage of this rebuild. But, um, you know, hey, you never know, right? And as far as the floor is concerned, I, I think this team could potentially finish at the bottom of this division. Now, they're not going to be, you know, Chicago or Arizona bad to bottom bottom of this division, but I think the other teams around them got a little bit better, and, you know, Buffalo really didn't do much other than having a full season of Owen Power to get, you know, maybe better as far as, um, you know, adding pieces. So Detroit and Ottawa are probably going to hop them. They're going to be battling with Montreal maybe towards that bottom of the division if things go bad, and... um yeah, they could they could potentially bottom out. Yeah, if guys take a step and 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 things go go well for them, yeah, you're definitely looking at a potential battle for a wild card spot. Don't think they'll get in either, but um, fifth in the division is my ceiling. My my floor. I think they're a little better than last in the division, uh, but last in the division last year was 55 points. That's not really like. I, I, they're not going to end up with fewer than 70 points, which like really would be a very similar season uh, to what they experienced last year. Uh, and I could see teams finishing ahead of them just because things will be more even. But yeah, I, I don't see them finishing dead last in the division unless we start going through goaltenders. Uh, it's feasible to think that Craig Anderson could be, you know, maybe he only can play a, a small amount of games. He played 31 last year. At 41, that might be a stretch. So, you know, are you bringing uh, Uka Pekalukanen up? Are you playing Malcolm Subban more? Uh, and and none of those things, well, especially Malcolm Subban coming up and playing, those those just aren't good 
for winning. <laughs> and no, and so here's the thing too, right? Buffalo, maybe say they have five less losses than they did last year, and Montreal gets five more. They're both tied for last place. So yeah, yeah, it's not that far of a stretch yeah. to think that you know, in my opinion, Buffalo could potentially find themselves at the that's bottom. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but if they do find themselves at the bottom, I still think they're probably like six last. I I think that Fair. there's a lot of a lot of really bad teams that will be worse. Like I think that Philadelphia will be worse. I think Arizona, Chicago, I think Seattle, Anaheim, and San Jose all have the potential to be worse than the Sabers. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, there's the first part of the Atlantic Division. We will be doing the Boston Bruins. Um, what other teams are in the <laughs> the Florida Panthers and the Ottawa Senators on part two, and then. Stay tuned for the Leafs and the Red Wings uh, as we close out the Atlantic Division and the NHL for our previews. We know the season started. We don't care. We're just going to keep doing previews. So, uh, yeah, Justin, hope you have a great night. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. Find us on o- uh, at OT Hockey Talk on Twitter. Justin, any final thoughts? Uh, I love you. <laughs> love you too. Bye. <laughs>